Welcome to the Ian Corzine Show. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. I've been advising top social media creators for about 12 years. Now it's your turn. Whether you're an upcoming social media influencer or a content creator bringing in the millions, you gotta understand how to grow your audience the right way and not risk fines or worse, jail time. That's where I come in on the Ian Corzine Show. My guests and I break down what you need to succeed for becoming a top influencer. If you're ready to grow on social media the right way, I'm here to help you. This is a Soulfire production. Is it time to say goodbye to the internet as we know it? We're going to get into this subject and a lot more on today's Ian Corzine Show. Hi, I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. In the last couple of weeks, there's been some crazy things happening on the social media scene. Before, and I think I can speak for all of us, we didn't think that a social media platform could be taken down virtually overnight. But Parler, which was a social media platform that was founded on having users exercise their free speech, was taken down by not only Apple in the App Store, but also by Amazon, uh, who hosted the servers for Parler. We understand that now Parler is going to be moving on. I think that Epix is another contender to host the social media platform. But before, you know, we certainly talked about videos being taken down, maybe podcasts being taken down, but we didn't think about entire social media platforms being taken down. And that was troubling to me. And I thought a lot long and hard about this development and what that spells for the future of social media. It also brought to me the question that I want to discuss with you today, which is, should we have the right to digital private speech? I asked that question, should we? I think the answer is absolutely yes. You know, these days, the main vehicle for our free speech is social media, whether it be having a pandemic, which forces us to be in our homes more, whether it be being more efficient in our communications. It appears that the best way to get your message out and to speak your mind nowadays is social media. So when Apple and Stripe and Amazon remove an entire social media platform because the content does not serve them, it shows us that we have less freedom in our digital speech than we previously thought. Why did these big tech companies, these social media platforms take down Parler. Part of it is they didn't like the message. There was an understanding that the message of Parler, maybe uh, ultra right, uh, super conservative, uh, was inciting violence. The other part is, you know, at this point in time in in America, uh, we have a, a government that is firmly democratic. And a lot of these, I'm sure, politicians had discussed with the social media platforms the fact that they wanted to get those conservative messages off the social media platform. And it was merely Amazon and Apple that were doing the bidding, potentially. The other thing that was is really cropped up lately is that the employees of the various big tech companies are now starting to have a voice. We heard in Google, there was a, the Google employees started a Google union. We also heard that in, in Amazon, the Amazon employees are starting to have a much bigger voice in the operations and the decisions that the company is making. All this results in a society which is starting to question, starting to not trust social media in general. If a social media platform can be taken down virtually overnight, should we put our free speech on social media? Do we trust, you know, 
Facebook or Instagram or many of the other social media platforms? And can we trust the social media platforms to carry the message that we want? Is our message going to be filtered? Is there certain portions of our message that, that will not make it to the public? It really causes a, a disconnect and a distrust between the public and the social media platforms themselves. Now, what's the alternative uh, right now? Well, in, in you know, before this parlor situation, a lot of people said, listen, if you're not having your voice heard on Twitter, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, then just go away and start your own social media platform. That's okay. Maybe, maybe you know, get together with people of the same belief structure that you have. But you know, starting a social media platform these days is definitely harder than it than it looks. For one, it's hard to gain members for your social media platform. It's hard to get users. These days, our, our attention is so uh, drawn out. Uh, there are so many other platforms out there like TikTok that are taking our attention. It's hard to get users of an entire new social me media platform. Additionally, it's also risky these days. If you Let's say you create this social media platform. It's risky to, to put it on some other people's servers. You know, it used to be AWS servers, like Netflix is hosted by AWS, Amazon Web Services. Um, now, because the, even the, the hosting services are getting in on the censorship game, if you do start a new social media platform, do you trust the people that are gonna host the data to make up your social media platform? And the other second, you know, third thing to think about is, it's also expensive. Let's say, okay, you go, okay, I'm not going to have my social media platform on Amazon web services. I'm going to have my own servers, but that's expensive to maintain and sometimes inefficient. So I think what we're going to start seeing, and I've already seen it in the last couple of weeks, is people who want to make their voice heard in this world are going to be moving to different communication forums that do not have as much risk of censorship. So we're, we're seeing uh, social media uh, personalities starting to go back to email. You know, the promise of email way back when is it's kind of like a, a telephone conversation. There's no censorship of it. I mean, my gosh, hopefully you're not doing illegal things, but AT&T is not going to stop you from having a phone call about illegal activities. And the same is true about email. Uh, it was definitely the promise given to the public was that you could have secure communications that weren't going to be reviewed by others, and then you wouldn't be censored. However, we're getting to that stage now <laughs> where many of the email hosting services are actively censoring. We saw that with Gmail, Google uh, censorship. We also saw that with even the, the larger, uh, uh, you know, the mass mail hosting services like MailChimp, where they announced that they're going to start deleting misleading and materially false content uh, effective. Actually, this was last year, October 28th, 2020. So it's getting to the stage now where, okay, maybe we can't have our own social media platform. Maybe we, we can't trust other social media platforms to deliver our message. All right, we move to email, but now it's turning out that we may not be able to trust email either. So if we cannot trust social media and email, to carry our messages and facilitate our private communications, what do you think people are going to do? Well, I think, again, people are going to strive to create their own smaller communication systems with no big tech or government oversight. But what will happen then? <laughs> what will happen then is that the big tech and the government will attempt to further 
control these smaller communication systems. And you got to remember, you know, when we talk about it this way, you might be tempted to say, oh my gosh, all this censorship is bad and it should, it should not happen. We should have the right to free speech on social media. But you have to remember that it doesn't just, the people who are doing the censorship don't think they're doing a bad thing most of the time. I think most of the time they're doing it for the good of the people. Uh, maybe they're trying to protect people from harassment or from violent speech. So what this is the problem with when you begin going down the censorship road, the people that are doing the censoring aren't going, I'm being a bad person. I just want to control. I want more and more and more. I want more money. A lot of times they're saying, I'm just trying to help people by not having harmful messages go into the public sphere. And this is the same thing that has happened time and time again with authoritarian regimes. It's the problem with dictatorships. Oftentimes the dictators feel like they're in the right for controlling the country and having no right to free speech or, or the vote. And one of the main reasons and one of the main ways that authoritarian regimes or dictatorships take control is by surveilling, is by controlling, is by censoring the public. And what we're seeing now is more and more surveillance, whether it be email or social media. We're seeing more and more attempts by mass media and big tech and the government to control the information flow. And then we're seeing, as you guys, I know you've experienced it. I think everyone who's been active on social media has experienced it one time or two. We're seeing more and more censorship. All right. So if this is the case, if people seeking to get their message out are going to go to smaller media or social media platforms, they're going to create their own communication networks and the government and big tech and probably mass media, big corporations are going to do their best to control and to regulate those smaller communication systems, you know, what is going to happen to the global internet? The leaders of a lot of countries around the world were taken aback when President Donald Trump was banned permanently from Twitter. Now, everyone can criticize the messages of Donald Trump on Twitter. And a lot of these countries certainly didn't agree with what President Donald Trump was saying in Twitter. However, I think what they saw <laughs> when this happened was, oh my gosh, this could happen to me too. Big tech could take away my voice, my global voice uh, throughout the world. And so leaders of a lot of these different countries are beginning to think, hmm, maybe I need to take control of my country's communication systems. And guess what's starting to happen? You've seen it in Australia where uh, recently, there has been a law that's been passed or is in the process of being passed, which will actually charge Google and other media consolidators fees for repeating the news of other news publications. They want to be able to control and they want to be able to uh, you know, receive funds that the larger big tech companies are receiving. So going back to what I said about what other countries are the leaders of other countries are thinking is, boy, if they're going to ban, they're going to ban Donald Trump, they could possibly ban me. And the response to that, of course, is to block big tech's ability to block them. Uh, a good example might be putting up a firewall. You know, we've always thought about firewalls or, or, or a bar to social media or big tech companies going into your country, maybe like China and some other authoritarian countries. But I think what's happening with all this censorship and attempt to control the information flow, we're going to see this happen to more and more countries. We're going to have a, you know, a Guatemalan communication system that's firewalled off from all other communications across the world. I think other countries are going to see 
that social media can stop them from communicating on this one big, you know, global megaphone. And they're going to get control of their country's internet infrastructure. And there may be such thing as closed digital borders. There may be regionalization. Uh, there may be a, a Google page per country, a Google page per county, per city, um, or, or another social media platform that may take those, those roles. And then the other part we're going to probably see is that the countries are also, it's so funny, they started this whole quest because of censorship, but then they're going to see the, the, the need to censor their own citizens, even in the smaller communication systems that they've seen. If this does happen and we have a less global internet or a non-global internet, I think it's going to penalize our society. I think we're going to get in a situation where there are going to be less ideas shared across the globe. There's going to be less of a cooperation among individual scientists, individuals, uh, anybody who's doing something uh, creative uh, will have less sharing. And despite the good intentions, and I put good in quotes, of big tech and the government to protect people from harm, you know, harmful communications, they're actually going to be harming communications even more, stifling more ideas, stifling cooperation. Uh, and we're going to end up, unfortunately, with a less or no, no more global internet. It'll be an internet that has closed digital borders. Now, this doesn't have to be the case. I don't like this consequence. I don't believe it should be. I think there's definitely a way to move forward. But I think that there's, um, it's going to have to be measured and it's going to have to involve the governments. I think at some point in time, I don't mean to say that I don't think that there should be, you know, more and more censorship. There should be laws that, you know, prevent bad speech from existing. But I do think that there's going to have to be a compromise struck with this new atmosphere that we have where social media platforms are the main communication tool for people across the world. And because of that power, they are going to have to have less control over their own, over third-party conference communications on their platform. So a good example I always think of is, you know, the Communications Decency Act, Section 230. There is a two-word phrase called otherwise objectionable and basically gives the social media platforms the ability to delete to remove any content that's otherwise objectionable. And one of the problems with this language is it's so broad. It allows so much, so much censorship, so much things to be deleted that it, it gives the social media platforms unfettered power to delete our free speech. So what can we do? We can uh, you know, have the FCC in America, let's say, enact regulations that require social media to equally treat traffic, and that what we really need to do is mirror available free speech and free speech across the world, if we can, on what's allowed under the First Amendment. Now, we always, you know, people talk about the fact that the First Amendment, you know, constrains the government, and yes, it does, but it also provides a framework for a free society to communicate. And I think that if we can adopt, we can import that framework of the First Amendment to social media communications in general, I think that would go a long way to avoiding a non-global internet, to avoiding uh, closed digital borders. Now, the First Amendment is, you know, and, and my, my belief is there's only two really main limitations on free speech under the First Amendment. You know, there, you not, shouldn't allow speech 
that incites imminent lawless action. And some people will say that Donald Trump's words were that, but you can argue about that. And also, I think that in a free society, free speech should be constrained by their time, place, and manner. So you, you can't have a, a you know, free speech protest in the middle of classes uh, at a college. What's going to happen then is that you're going to have all havoc and you're going to have no semblance of organization. You can regulate the time, place, and manner of your free speech. Um, and so I think the same is true of social media, of social media platforms, is that they should be able to regulate the free speech, but they should not be able to entirely suppress it if it carries a harmful message. As I've said many, many times, you fight bad speech with good speech. So the FCC or whatever the governing body of your country should require social media platforms to adopt simple, clear standards for the allowance of free speech on their platforms. And then they should, uh, the FCC should enforce this requirement. You may need a special license to be able to start a social media platform. And with that comes the promise that you are not going to unduly censor communications on the platform. You can only take away those communications that one are in your terms and conditions or terms of service and ones that are allowed under the first or ones that are disallowed under the first amendment. This is more regulation. And I don't like more regulation. I don't like more laws. I want a freer society. I want less laws. However, because social media is such a force for delivery of free speech in this world, I think that for the good of society, having these new rules and these new requirements for social media platforms will help us not only maintain a global internet, but have the free expression and have a global marketplace for ideas. Thank you so much for listening. This is Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. This is the first episode of a relaunch of our podcast. I'm going to be doing more and more just solo podcasts and then doing some guests here and there. But I just really want to be able to get the details of some of the issues that are coming out today on social media and social media law to you um, so that you can get them in a kind of a, a sitting and you can kind of some appreciate some of these thoughts. If you ever decide that you'd like to comment, you'd want to write me and, you know, give me some <laughs> constructive feedback. Uh, I'd love to hear it. You can always email me at podcast at iancorzine.com. That's podcast at iancorzine.com. And I'll be happy to read it. Maybe we can talk about it on one of these uh, podcasts. So thank you very much. We'll see you next time.